0: Well hello everyone again and welcome back to this final episode in our Holy Spirit series and let me encourage you please if you've enjoyed this series um, to to comment to us what God's been saying to you what what's been happening in your experience why not share this series widely Um, uh, there's a lot of teaching material in it and it'd be great to see it used and the word of God run wild in the teaching of, of the Holy Spirit. Today we're looking at this final um, study on the prophetic gift, the gift of prophecy. And last time we started looking at what prophecy is, how to understand it and who can who can do it. But we concluded by um, anticipating this study and asking the question, what about false prophecy? How can we be sure that what we're hearing is not a false prophecy and it's not from a false prophet. And there's no doubt about it. Jesus warned us in Matthew chapter 7, for instance, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Matthew 24, verse 24, 25, he, he told us, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So we need to be able to discern the true from the false. But let me say that many are able to tell you, oh, he's a false prophet, she's a false prophet, but they're they're not able to say where the true is. And if there is counterfeit, there has to be the true. So how do we know what true prophecy is? Let me give you a number of tests. There's four in all. First of all, there's the truth test. Prophecy must be in full accord with the truth of God's revealed word in his Scripture. The Holy Spirit doesn't contradict himself. He's not confused. In 1 John 4, verses 1 to 3, we read, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So he's telling us that um, we have to make sure that those who are prophesying their doctrine is correct. And they're actually honoring the Lord Jesus Christ as he came in the flesh as a son of God to this earth. 2 John 1 verse 7 says the same. Many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. And of course this was an early church doctrine. False doctrine that had come in that Jesus hadn't actually come incarnate. It was in some kind of ghost spiritual form but he didn't have a real body. But of course we've got to recognize false prophets by their doctrine it's got to come into line with the fundamentals of the faith of christianity and of course in chapter 12 1 corinthians that we've been in so many weeks now and um, we read there in verse 3 therefore i make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of god calls jesus accursed or no one can say that jesus is lord except by the holy spirit and so the truth of christ is central and foundational to prophets and to the gift of prophecy We must be having Jesus as Lord in his rightful place. The truth of his person, his work, all that he accomplished for us. It must agree with God's word and we must be giving full glory to him. One of the ways you recognize true prophecy and true prophets is they give glory and honor to the Lord. First Peter Chapter four, ten and eleven say says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any one speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God, if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion for ever and ever. Amen. We must be giving glory to him, not ourselves or not our prophetic prowess and gifts. So there's the truth test, doctrine and glory to God. Secondly, there's the love test. And of course, chapter 13, uh, we've read it in this series. We haven't dealt uh, with too much detail around love, except when we were doing the fruit of the spirit. And uh, we've seen that this is vital for edification, for for understanding and love in the body is the motive for everything that we ought to be doing and through spiritual gifts so there's the love test and even if a word of prophecy is given in a correctional way or a word of warning it should not be judgmental it should not be condemnatory even a stern word can be edifying and can show the spirit of love in christ So there's the love test—is the prophetic gifting and the prophet loving. The third thing is the order test. Um, Things are to be done decently in order, as Paul tells us in his teaching on the spiritual gifts. But also, prophecies meant to be done within the local church. And uh, I'm not saying there can't be people with itinerant prophetic ministries, but they must be accountable to to the local church. And Too many lone rangers are running around doing a lot of damage in the name of Christ without any accountability and they won't submit to accountability. But we see in the New Testament that um, the gift of prophecy was primarily exercised within the body of the church or the wider body. And uh, of course there is the ministry of the prophet who moves around the churches, but there's gotta be mutual accountability there somewhere. Um, Now you should be checking the word of prophecy yourself you should make yourself accountable yourself and not just um, blurting things out without thinking about it. You should make um, prophecy accountable to scripture primarily, of course. Um, and none of us can perfectly discern our own gifts. And so that's why being mentored by other prophets and being submissive to other prophets and other leaders and others in the church is, is vital for growth in any gift. Um, so there's the truth test, the love test, the order test and the fruit test. In Matthew chapter 7 uh, verse 15 and through to 17, Jesus said, Beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And of course we spent some time on the fruit of the spirit before we looked at the gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit essentially is all the fruit of love love is first but if you're wondering is this a word from god you need to listen to the prophecy and look at the prophet's life is the fruit of the spirit there by their fruits you shall know them you'll know false prophets and false prophecy by bad fruit but if you're looking for god and the voice of god the voice of god will be loving joyous peace giving patient kind good faithful gentle and there'll be self-control in the word that's given and in the, the life of the person that's giving it so look for the fruit of the spirit to know um the fruit test so the truth test the love test the order test and the fruit test to know the difference between a false prophet and a true prophet false prophecy and true prophecy so final question how can we prophesy and so um Essentially, prophecy is like a spontaneous message that comes to the mind, to the spirit first, but then it's interpreted by the mind. It's impressed on our consciousness from God. And Paul actually calls this revelation. If if you look here at um, chapter 14, I think it is, and verse 30 to 31, Paul says, but if anything is revealed to another, who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. But you notice in verse 3 he says, anything is revealed. And he uses the term for revelation. Now he's using it in a broader sense. And this is where a lot of controversy comes in. He's not talking in terms of the authoritative revelation of the word of God, the scriptures. But he's using it in a broader sense than the inspiration of Holy Writ. And he does this on other occasions. And I want to take time just to recite these verses for you. So as you know that when revelation is spoken about. It doesn't just mean the equivalent of the revelation of God's word. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 15, he says, Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. That's the term for revelation. God will reveal this to you. So there are people in Philippi that are of two minds about an issue. And Paul's saying God's going to reveal it to you. It doesn't mean he's going to give you a new epistle or a new chapter of the Bible. But he will in some way reveal this to your heart. That's revelation. He uses that term. In Romans 1 verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So he uses the term revelation for how judgment is actually coming as we resist godliness in our age. There are consequences for that, but that's revelation, Paul says. Ephesians 1 17, the prayer of Paul is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of Glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And so Paul's praying for every believer in Ephesus and every believer now that we would have a spirit of revelation. There it is. He uses the term. Um, so Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty-seven also. Um, said all things have been delivered to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father nor does anyone know the father except the son and the one to whom the son wills to reveal him. And so those of us who are born again and come into the kingdom of God's son into the kingdom of light we have had a revelation. Uh, It's distinct from scripture. It may have come through scripture but there was a direct revelation to our spirits of who Jesus really is. Um, And we can come to the Father through him. So these spontaneous um, or meditative conscious impressions that we receive can be called revelation or prophecy. It is called that by Paul. And so if you get a prompt in the spirit, it could be a prompt or an impression or an intuition. You can call it revelation. You can call it prophecy. As long as you understand it's not equivalent to the Bible but Paul goes on to teach that this prophecy is according to our faith in Romans 12 verse 6 he says having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us let us use them if prophecy let us prophesy in proportion to our faith so we can all prophesy and do as much prophecy as you have the faith for but then you should stop when you don't have any more faith and uh, not blether on okay so it's it's according to faith very often the gift requires waiting on the lord you know we have to slow down and we have to listen to him to hear his promptings um, and it disturbs me to think sometimes people just give up get up and give words and they haven't really spent time with God. And that's when things can get dangerous. We actually need to be saturated in the word of God. The biblical prophets were all immersed in the Bible. And you need to know the revelation that God has already given if you're wanting to know the revelation that he wants to give us in now words today, those rhema words. Like all the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, uh, the more you practice it, the more you will grow a toddler that constantly, is constantly worried about using wrong grammar or muddled up words is never ever going to learn to speak and if you're a perfectionist or worried about failing in some way pr- prophetically um, you're never going to prophesy. We've all got to humble ourselves before God not take ourselves too seriously also give a little room for people to make mistakes at times and we'll have to sometimes lovingly step in and correct but the point is this if we're going to see the church build up, there's got to be edification and if there's going to be edification, people need to use the gift all the gifts, but need to use the gift of prophecy so that the church is built up, stirred up, and cheered up in our day and generation. We need these gifts of the spirit we're we're asked by Paul to earnestly desire the gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. I wonder is that? the way your church is is that the way you are do you earnestly desire to hear from god that you might build not that people would think oh aren't you wonderful but that you might build other people up in their faith what a wonderful series this has been i've thoroughly enjoyed delivering it i hope that you have enjoyed receiving it and learned a great deal and um, i believe god is doing something in these days i believe he's uniting together the spirit and the word like never before and this has been a journey of my life and it's something that actually has been prophesied by many over the years in 1947 some of you might know the prophecy of Smith Wigglesworth he was an uneducated yorkshire plumber and he introduced thousands of people to Jesus Christ as savior and the power of the holy spirit or through the baptism of the spirit the gifts of the spirit and he did this all over the world and a week before his death he predicted two developments in the universal church the first, he said, would be the restoration of the gifts of the Spirit. And the second would be a revived emphasis of the word, in the Word of God. And he added this, and I want you to hear these words. When these two moves of the Spirit combine, we shall see the greatest move the Church of Jesus Christ has ever seen. When these two moves combine, the Word and the Spirit, we shall see the greatest move, that the church of Jesus Christ has ever seen that's my passion that's my prayer that's my desire for this series that as you share it around as it goes around the internet and um, that it will have this effect of the word and the spirit coming together and a move of the spirit might take place in our day and generation oh so we desperately need it don't we lord thank you we give you all the glory we give you all the praise we thank you for this series we thank you for your word that teaches us about the Holy Spirit but Lord we don't want to be reading about someone in a book we want to have an encounter with God on the earth today that is the Holy Spirit that will reveal the Father and the Son to us and indeed will turn the whole world upside down like he did through the early um, the early believers in the Acts of the Apostles so come Holy Spirit we pray power of Pentecost come again in great fire and wind upon us those watching, Lord, may you endue them with a fresh uh, anointing of the Holy Spirit. Will you let the Spirit loose within all of us and let us go into all the world and make disciples in your name in the power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. Bless everyone who's uh, received this uh, message and the whole series indeed and may it run freely, Lord, throughout the earth now with your blessing. In Jesus' name uh, we pray. Amen. Do continue to dock in with us at PreachTheWord.com for what's um, latest in the series that we're doing. And of course, um, keep watching on social media and uh, we'll be having another series soon. It may not all be video, but we want to continue to throw out the word of God and what God's saying to us in these days. So God bless you and uh, do stay in touch and let us know what God's doing in your life as well. But thank you for tuning into this Particular episode and this series, those of you who have stuck with us through the whole of it, God bless you.